Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic guys podcast of which we are the worst. I'm Alec. I'm Eddie. And today we're going to be talking about sin. Everyone's favorite, everyone's favorite topic. Uh, we've probably talked Never about, talked it. about it before. Uh, you know, once or twice. Uh, maybe that should be the title. I was actually thinking about what the title should be for this episode. Uh, sin, probably. Uh, probably not. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's too, that's too broad. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll title it, You're, We're All Going to Hell in a Handbasket. <laughs> no, just in a handbasket. Oh, yeah, good. in a handbasket. That's good. Real artsy. <laughs> you won't uh, believe what's going on in this handbasket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Satan destroys soul of God's beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Seen going to hell in handbasket. <laughs> uh, some <laughs> God saves sinner despite his sin. Some saviors still know how saving is done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so, yes, so talking about sin, maybe not in in general, but kind of in a specific way. I was having a conversation the other day after RCIA where we were talking about the difference between a mortal and a venial sin, and then the idea that really what spurred this was that there may be a tendency to view venial sin as not that bad, and to really only view mortal sin as sin. Kind of they get lowered, right? We consider what we should consider a sin, we consider not a sin, and what we should consider a mortal sin, we consider a venial sin. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So do you have any thoughts on that? Tons. Cool. So go ahead and take it from here. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, some. Honestly, the, the, the weird thing is, is, I think what immediately came to mind was, because we just recently talked about scrupulosity on this show, I think, I mean, that was several episodes back now, and I think there is there is also a group of people who have a tendency of thinking venial sin is mortal sin, which is also super toxic. So I do want to preface that with this, that if you struggle with scrupulosity, maybe this episode is not for you, and probably don't listen to it. Uh, go listen <laughs> to the other episodes we were talking about a little bit on scrupulosity. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah, because, but I would say for the vast majority of us, we have a tendency to underplay our sin, and it's obviously not good, and I know it in myself, like, as someone who, you know, grows up in the pornography culture, if we want to coin it that, (laughs) just kidding, Uh, but obviously that's something that has been present in my life, and there's such a, a, like, a nasty habit of besides the actual nasty habit, but just of going back to confession, just like when I, whenever I would fall, it's just back to confession, like in the next day. But then afterwards, or if I go, if I were to go a while without, you know, falling to that sin, I would just not go to confession. It wouldn't even be on the radar, you know? And then it was kind of just rinse and repeat with, I would go to confession and I would confess that same sin. And then I like kind of spout off a couple of random things that like yeah i'll name a couple of the other seven deadly sins and then we'll move on because i probably <laughs> did those but I, I i wouldn't do an actual exam and i think i still fall to this sometimes i think a lot of times confession can just be a, a habit and we don't actually make a practice of doing an examination and looking at what we're doing and whether or not it's sinful and so that's a problem obviously I, and i noticed that pattern for myself where 
I was fine. And I honestly didn't even really think about improving my life if I wasn't falling to that one particular sin. And when I did fall to that one particular sin, it was like right back to confession right away. I've had a similar experience struggling with, I mean, in through the pre-Cana and wedding period and how helpful my wife has been with kind of escaping that culture and no longer falling to that sin. I mean, by the grace of God and hopefully forevermore, but that I almost think like, oh, nice. Like, I don't even have to go to confession anymore because that, that was all that I was confessing for so long. And the fear that that had taken up so much of my examination of conscience that I'm not even realizing these other ways in which I am sinning. Yeah, and that's no good because you are sinning, right? Like, Right, that, yes. The, yeah. the, the, let's the make that clear. <laughs> yeah, let's make it clear that if you find yourself not needing to go to confession, if you haven't fallen to pornography, then you are not doing an honest examination of conscience. And honestly, that's why I, I cannot recommend enough doing the examine at night if you don't if you are unfamiliar with that prayer, but it's just like a small examination of conscience that you do nightly and you point out the areas, well, one, where God is working and things that are going well, and then two, you focus in on also what are the things that God, that you rejected the grace of God in those moments. And ideally, the more you do it, the more throughout the day you'll start to notice the patterns in your life that lead you to accept God's grace and the patterns in your life that lead you to reject God's grace and to avoid them because if you're, if you're acknowledging it all the time. So really, really make a habit. I cannot emphasize that enough. In the morning or at night, nighttime is probably better, but morning is better than not. So uh, do it uh, every day, right? Do it every day for a month and see if, you, and see if, it, if it improves your, your, your faith life. But yeah, I, I noticed so much. Like, I also had a similar experience with pride where I kind of acknowledged pride in, my, in myself just like I was just so good at acknowledging my pride. <laughs> and well, it's true. I had never seen anyone as good at acknowledging their pride as Eddie was. Real master. <laughs> that that joke never gets old. That, that joke has a, has so much <laughs> mileage. Uh but I didn't really think I struggled with things like vanity and I didn't really think I struggled with things like gossip or whatever it might be. And then it just all kind of came rushing into me. I was like, I noticed it in one, it was really just like a fleeting thing. I was like, Oh, Hey, that's kind of vain. And I was, and it like, it was almost like you, 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 when you're cleaning your room or your house and you forget about that one drawer and you see like it, it's opened a little bit. You're like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. It's like <laughs> the most messy thing of them all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's so tough, but ideally, you know, the closer you get to the light, the more you will realize the shadowy areas in your life. So if you're making the move closer and closer to God, I think you should be noticing more venial sin that's in your life. And, you know, quite possibly also more mortal sin that you maybe didn't even realize was going on. And because there's also more mortal sins than just for our people of our generation than just looking at pornography. So uh, that, you know, and even the accumulation of venial sin can become mortal sin. So I, I think it's something that we need to focus in on. Again, I, I can't recommend the examine enough. And I'll also say this, you know, you look at the lives of the saints where people like St. Francis uh, were approached and asked, why do you think God called you to such a mission as this? And he responded to my belief. He said, because I am the greatest sinner. And I remember, you know, hearing that and just thinking, come on, St. Francis, like you're not the greatest sinner. 
not even close. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he wouldn't even be qualified for Sinner's take. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but I think what it is is I think we underestimate how bad all sin is, and how much how damaging it is to the heart of God. And I think, and ourselves. Well, and our yeah, ultimately yes, that. The closer you get to God, I think if you can really start to understand just how bad all sin is, then even like venial sin, like you, you really notice how, how bad it is. And if you choose it, you, you can really understand like what, what's really going on in a spiritual sense for yourself, for God, for the world. And you must, it's like, it's almost like someone who thinks that it's like, you notice the, the one speck of dirt on a white wall more than you will notice the bunch of specks of dirt on a brown wall, you know, because it's the same kind of thing. Like I think St. Francis and other saints are just so aware of that. Like, Ooh, that looks so bad there. Like it has to be the worst in the world, you know? And we want to get there though. I think we don't want to, we want it cause we, we want to get holier and we want to uh, make this ascent to the Lord, but it's tough. You know, we don't like to work on venial sins. We don't even like to acknowledge that they exist. Yeah. And that, reminds me of i mean you showed it to me a while back and so i am hoping that you have it here because otherwise i'll have to look it up because i definitely don't remember it word for word but talking about like the severity of even a venial sin are you, you talking about on? cardinal henry newman's I quote on venial, su- newman, um, quote on venial sin from the lectures on Ange- and anglican difficulties lecture eight Right, lecture eight. I knew it was either seven or eight. Yeah, so that's good. I've got it. Uh, oh, I've got it right here. You've been doing the reading of my mind. <laughs> it says All right, locked and loaded. Why don't you fire away? Yeah, the Catholic Church. And now, this to preface this, this quote was given to me by my favorite theology teacher, and pretty much the person I try, try to emulate in my own theology teaching, uh, Doctor Newton from Franciscan University. Honestly, the dude is like the best theology teacher maybe in the world. He is just a great like like charism of teaching right super super good could not could not recommend it enough go to franciscan take his classes uh but it says <laughs> and so this in this quote like wrecked my world man i'm telling you and i still struggle with it and because it's 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 a very tough thing to believe and to understand but he he writes this the catholic church holds that it were better for the sun and moon to drop from heaven for the earth to fail and for all the many millions who are upon it to die of starvation in the extremest agony, as far as temporal affliction goes, then that one soul, I will not say should be lost, but should commit one single venial sin, should tell one willful untruth, or steal one poor farthing without excuse. So like, one venial sin. Right? He says, <laughs> the, the church, he, God would rather, and the church holds that this is what God thinks, that all of the earth were to, everyone on earth were to die in starvation in the extremest agony in the form of temporal suffering goes, then for one soul commit one video sin. And I think that that is, that, that really gets at the heart of it because, right, it's what Christ says, do not worry about the things that destroy your body, worry about the things that destroy your soul. And I think in the eyes of God, you know, he's looking at things from an eternal standpoint. And if, you know, people die without sinning, great. All, all as well, but sin is so abhorrent, and really, I, I'm pretty sure this is theologically correct. But even one venial sin would have ha- Jesus would have had to, you know, 
it doesn't stop the incarnation. Like, it, I mean, once the train starts, we haven't been able to stop it, and now we're just sitting like crazy all the time. But when human nature is broken, and that that gap is just infinite, after, even with any sin at all. I mean, the gap is already infinite between us and God, but then, you know, that sin turning away from God at all is just it's just so bad. I mean, I don't know how else to word it, but that it, it wounds, it wounds the heart of God. And to think about it, cause it's, it's almost, it's a little hard to understand why does it hurt God when we sin or why does it hurt us and God? Like, but think about if, if there's someone that you care about and you see them doing something like destructive in their life, that hurts. Like, I mean, think of a friend, a sibling, parent, a kid, like whoever it is, but you see them making a decision that you know is not good for them, that they might know is not good for them. And then you see the effects in their life that hurts to watch because you care about the person. And maybe similarly so with God, that he wants only what is best for us. And to see us choosing less than what he wants for us hurts him. And not in a selfish way, but in a way that he knows what is better for us and wants us to have it, but more importantly, wants us to choose it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from the Screw Tape Letters. It's, you know, for, again, for those of you guys who have yeah. not are unaware, it's one, one demon talking to another demon about how to tempt a human. Could not recommend this book enough. Again, high recommendation. I think everybody who's trying to engage in the spiritual life needs to read it. If you have not, it's phenomenal. But this is what he says. He says, you will say that these are very small sins and doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness, right? So he's saying he wants, he wants his patient to like have really huge sins so that he can brag about how much his patient is sinning. And he's worried that these sins that he's doing are too small, but he says, but do remember the only thing that matters is the extent to which you are, you separate the man from the enemy, the enemy being God. It does not matter how small the sins are provided provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the general slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And I think that that's something that can happen to us, right? If we, if we aren't aware of these little sins in our life, we become more comfortable with them and they will become bigger, you know? And so a tactic of the devil is specifically to make us fixate on these big sins and focus and, and feel really sorry for them, but not work on any of our other vices that are slowly and gradually drawing us away from the Lord. And I love how he words it from the light and into the nothing. I like that. He says that it's soft underfoot because so often they are comfortable. Like he's talking about a downhill slope that is soft underfoot. That's very comfortable and casual and easy to fall into. There's like a momentum to it as well. A couple of thoughts that I've kind of had along the way, I guess, before we had too far past them is there's a, an example. I don't know if this is exactly how, exactly how he used the image, but my dad used to talk about and used to probably still does if you would ask him, uh, but he gave the example of like, you have this bucket of milk and he said, every time that you will use like sin here. Every time you even venially sin, you put like one drop of pee in that bucket of milk. And no matter what, 
you can never get that bucket to be 100% milk again. However much milk you add, there will always be at least a little bit of pee. But the thing is, we're okay with a little bit. And so every sin is like another drop, another drop, another drop. And then eventually it ceases to become milk, right? And maybe, you know, if you've got a whole bucket and there's just one drop, you think maybe I could still drink out of this. But, and some people maybe not at all, maybe those are the scrupulous uh, among us. But um, the, the thought being that we think that maybe a little bit is okay, and like, well, as long as I'm not doing this really bad thing, or this is just a small sin, but like I'm in control of it, and it's not, it doesn't really have that effect here, or we kind of rationalize it one way or the other, usually pridefully thinking we're in control of it, or that it's justified for some reason, and that we're okay with a little bit, but that little bit quickly adds up. And just, I guess, to continue the metaphor, the idea would be that when you go to confession, you do get a new bucket, and you do start out with no pee in your bucket. And it's maybe not the most elegant of metaphors, but it's been a helpful image that's kind of stuck with me uh, throughout the years. I think it is helpful. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, and the other, the other thought is that I'm being careful that we don't want to word it as like caring too much about mortal sin, but rather not caring enough about venial sin. Uh, because it's not like, you know, oh, we're distracted focusing on these big sins. Like, yeah, we should we should care a lot about those big sins. It's just not at the expense of letting these, we'll say, smaller things through the cracks. Yeah, I think that's good too because I always have the tendency to, when we get in these conversations, just to like steer full steam into it. And like, um, but yeah, I I always like to say you don't vacuum your floor when your kitchen is on fire. You know, so do what you gotta do to to work on these things in in the proper uh order you can discern that but yeah so like like alex said uh not that we you need to care about both right obviously care a lot about mortal sin but don't forget about venial sin and then yeah then the last thing that i wanted to talk about this one's kind of tough too because you know coronavirus is obviously a very touchy subject for people um and so i do want to preface it with just i understand that there are people who have had tremendous suffering in this time and I would never want to downplay any of that but I will also say that for a lot of people myself included there are certain aspects of my life that have actually kind of gotten easier you know my workday has been kind of shrunk in a lot of ways uh, I I'm pretty good with technology so transitioning a lot to online teaching wasn't really a problem for me and I'm not saying there hasn't been any you were able to keep working yeah I was able right? to keep working let it, yeah right I my job I did not get furloughed or anything like that. And I know there are other people who are similar to me in that way. And I'm not saying I haven't had hardships or difficulties, but what I am saying though, is it does sadden me a little bit when I, it's, it seems like everywhere I go, everyone is talking about, it's like in every meeting, it's in every retreat talk, it's in everything. It's how hard this year has been. And, you know, we're just getting through it or whatever it is. And I get it. But at the same time, I think we maybe are letting ourselves off the hook a little bit when it comes to these kinds of venial sins. I do think people are allowing themselves, myself especially included, we're affording ourselves extra leniency in vice because of whatever reason caused by the coronavirus, right? Whether it's impurities as you know, mentioned earlier, oh, it's because of, it's just really hard right now because of the quarantine. You know, whether it's laziness because it's, you're you're spending a lot of time alone, maybe you have extra free time 
Like, and I mean like, like proper sloth, not just laziness, whether it's be them, people letting themselves go. Right. I mean, I've definitely gained the COVID-19 for sure. As it said, (laughs) me too. Uh, and I'm not getting back into shape, but it's, you know, the gyms were closed and then all the adult soccer leagues were all stopped. And you know, you get, I think people are getting the point that I'm trying to make. And the reality is, is like, yes, maybe it is a little bit more difficult, but that does not give us an excuse to not continue to strive towards, to make the ascent, right? As we were talking about earlier, to, to climb towards the Lord. I need to do a better job of exercising on my own, right? I need to do a better job of actively working to try and not be lazy, to not experience spiritual sloth and physical sloth. People got to work overtime to not put themselves in the near occasion of sin when it comes to, to purity. And uh, the other second, the second uh, excerpt from the screw tape letters, I will say, um, comes from the f- the fifth letter. He's talking about the war, right? So, in this takes place like during World War II, and so the 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 human and the demons really always kind of fixating on like, oh, like it's so great because all these humans are at war, and over and over and over again throughout the book, the more experienced demon is telling him that like just because humans are dying at war does not mean it's beneficial to our cause. Because, you know, they, a lot of them are dying in good, in good standing with the Lord. A lot of them are going to deaths that they expect. Whereas in normal times, people are not always doing that. But so this is what he says. How much better for us all if all humans died in costly nursing homes amid doctors who lie, nurses who lie, friends who lie, as we have trained them, promising life to the dying, encouraging the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence. And even if our workers know their job, withholding all suggestion of a priest, lest it should betray to the sick man his true condition, that he will die. Right? And I think that we have, when we talked about this, giving up control, a lot of people, it's come to the surface that, like, we have kind of gotten spoiled with how much we think we can control in our lives. And I worry that with this, that focusing on this line here where he says, um, the belief that sickness excuses every indulgence. Right? That in these times of difficulty, you know, we don't need to, that the, these little excuses that we allot ourselves, like we think that they change them from venial sin to not sin. Um, and yeah, I'm not about, and again, I'm not trying to say that it doesn't make it more difficult. I am explicitly saying that it does make it more difficult, but like, you know, that's kind of the point. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not owed to us to be easy. It's almost, the opposite. the opposite. It's promised yeah. to us that it won't be. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I hope I hope that that doesn't come across as pushy or I mean, no, I don't mind if it comes across as pushy. I hope that doesn't come across as <laughs> I think that the coronavirus has been easy and and don't edit this together so that when you you splice it all together, <laughs> it's it's me saying I think the coronavirus is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we need to always be wary when we use the phrase "I deserve this." uh in internally because of course there there is time for rest but there's a difference between rest and indulging in something that we know to be wrong because we feel that it's excusable in our circumstances so that's all i got yeah i i think that's it not to uh go on too long just kind of a a reminder to remain vigilant of our own sin you know what whatever degree it is and to hopefully this is encouraging more than discouraging when we're talking about the difficulty of things we know like eddie said it it is promised to us that it will be difficult but 
that is the joy we have in being children of God, that we know he will be with us through it and at the end of it. And it, it will be difficult, but that that's okay. And it's not about our weakness in dealing with the difficulty, but the Lord's strength. So to lean into that, and as we hopefully are coming out the other side of this, to be coming out stronger and taking this, these lessons with us as we enter into life as we knew it before, potentially. Yeah, and if, anybody, if any of you really want to start to try and weed out venial sin out of your life, pray the examine, read screw tape letters. It will radically change your approach, I think, and your understanding of what goes on in your day-to-day spiritual life. And it starts now. Don't take what I, what I was saying about, about that it's almost over to be like, okay, well, yeah, as soon as, you know, the country opens up again and this is done, I'll apply it to the next thing. Like, no, now. Go buy Screwtape Letters on Amazon right now. Yes. <laughs> no affiliate link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not sponsored. Uh, yes. All right. Well, then, that is it. That was the Sinner's Take. You will hear us in the next one. The Venial Sinner's Take. <laughs>